Hey there, I'm Erin Carpenter. I want you to imagine you're a woman in your 40s, moving along with a steady career in the nonprofit sector, working for a reputable organization. Suddenly, the position's eliminated and you're laid off. What do you do next? This is precisely what happened to Debbie Liu, a franchisee of college nannies, sitters, and tutors. In this episode, we'll talk about how Debbie took a leap of faith and transitioned from being laid off to starting a franchise. It was a crisis. It was a crisis of a professional identity. It was a, a, a midlife crisis of sorts. And I just really just had to um, face the fact that I needed to reinvent myself. And reinvent herself is exactly what Debbie did. Are you a woman who's considered investing in a franchise or running one yourself? Are you searching for honest information to help you make the best decision for your future? Have you ever worried about whether the information you're finding has your best interests in mind? We're here to help. Welcome to Franchise Rising. I'm your host, Aaron Carpenter. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of the Franchise Rising podcast. This is the show where experts, franchisees, and franchisors share stories, strategies, and expert advice for women who want to own or invest in a franchise. We want to thank you so much for joining us again and for spending your time and attention with us. We really hope that we're going to add some more value with you. Uh, we have another great episode lined up in addition to what you already heard in the preview of this show. You're going to hear some more about Debbie Lou's story. You know, where when she after she was laid off, she would have started from scratch, but she really wasn't in a position to do it. She felt more comfortable working with a business that had a lot figured out. And what I find interesting is she jumped from nonprofit, from academia, into a for-profit organization. Debbie also sh- shares some counterintuitive advice, or at least, you know, that's a little bit different than what you normally hear about following your passion. And... So check out in this episode where she, she pushes back on this idea that you have to follow your passion. And I think it's really important to incorporate these perspectives as you try to figure out what you want to do, why you want to do it, especially if it involves investing in a franchise. For more about Debbie's perspective, her story, how she got to where she is, I am going to transition to the main part of our show with Debbie Liu from College Nannies, Sitters, and Tutors. I'd love to share a little bit of my journey to get to this point. And uh, it's been, it's, uh, you know, to be absolutely frank, it's been a, a, a tough journey. Um, I originally, my goal in life was to become an academic. I got a PhD and uh, my goal was to become a professor and researcher. Um, but early on, I kind of jumped that ship and um didn't really feel that academia was the right uh, fit for me, um, and then I started working. And as you observed, I you know worked for various programs um, in different administration um, capacities. I my most recent position was as a, a manager at the UCSD Cancer Center. Um, so I've been in a, a number of different positions, but they were always in. Interestingly, um, not in, in the, this for-profit corporate world. You know, they were in nonprofit programs and uh, public good, higher education, you know, what you would call soft money, you know, grant-funded, um, things like that. So it, I, it's, I find it kind of odd that now I 
find myself um, as a business person and, and I am, you know, trying to make an impact, like you said, um, by helping families and helping kids get the care they need and the tutoring that they need, but, but also making a profit as well because, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is a business and I do need to make sure that I, um, you know, make the money that I can uh, use to, you know, pay my employees and reinvest and, and uh, improve and constantly uh, build. And um, so, so the journey was, um, I was laid off. I lost my job at the cancer center. Um, the position was eliminated and I really found myself in a whole, um, it was a crisis. It was a crisis of uh, professional identity. It was a, a, a midlife crisis of sorts. And I just really just had to um, face the fact that I needed to reinvent myself. And I started looking at becoming an entrepreneur. Um, and at first, I thought that I would just start a business from scratch. Um, and of course, it was um, one of the first ideas I had was to do a, a dog-related business. <laughs> and uh, but um, then I I started exploring the world of franchising, and I think mainly because in in the stage of life I was at, I did not like the idea of starting over completely from scratch. Um, you know, maybe if I were in my 20s or even 30s, I, that would have been more feasible and more appealing. But um, I was in my 40s, and uh, I liked the idea of a franchise being, um, having, having the marketing all figured out, having the product figured out, and just the whole support and training and resources that, that you are given um, when you purchase a franchise. So that's uh, how I came upon um, College Nanny Sitters and Tutors franchise. So you knew you didn't want to start from scratch. Um, no. How, and you, you, at first you thought you wanted to work with dogs because you love pets, right? Yeah, I'm just right? a mm-hmm, dog-crazy person. And, and that makes good sense because a lot of people, when they advise in entrepreneurship, hey, Find something you love, follow something you love, build a business around it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, that is very common business advice, yes. How did you make the segue from dogs to college nannies, sitters, and tutors? That, um, yes, yeah, so I, I want to talk about that a little bit. That's that thing. I, I came across that advice a lot in my journey to become an entrepreneur or even my journey of trying to find a new job when I was still on the job market, um, which, which is, you hear this a lot, you know, figure out your passion, um, figure out what you want to do that makes you happy and mm. brings you joy and, and the job will come, the job will follow or mm. the business idea will follow. And I actually want to push back on that. I, I really don't think that that's uh, the, as, as blanket advice, that's not really the best advice to give people because, and, and this is coming from a place of me just being a very practical kind of person, that's my temperament, is that um, there's a lot of pressure, I think we put a lot of pressure on people when you tell them you have to figure out what your passion is and that's where your, mm. your, your career is, you know, your career will somehow materialize from that. I just don't think that's necessarily true or inaccurate all the time. And, um, and to, to bring that back around to my own experience, 
I did look, you know, I, I had an idea to start a, a dog related business um, from scratch, but then um, I started doing some research to see if that idea already existed. And then I stumbled upon a franchise um, company that did something kind of similar to my, my idea. And, um, and I, I did send away for information to ask about that franchise. But at the time, they were, uh, I think, doing some corporate restructuring or, you know, revamping their, their, their vision. So they weren't picking on any new prospects. So I then at that point found a franchise coach. Um, her name is Diane Ployce, and she works for FranChoice. And uh, I used her to consult with me to find the right franchise match. And that's ultimately how I um, found the one that I, that I purchased. Um, she, it's like a matchmaking, you know, she interviews, she interviewed me, she did an assessment questionnaire. She want, wanted to understand my lifestyle goals, what I wanted to get out of owning a business. And she presented three different options. Mm. One was um, a house cleaning option. Um, it was um, like it was called Two Maids and a Moth. The other one was a recruiting firm for management in the hospitality industry, and the third one was College Nanny Sitters and Tutors. Hmm. And yes, I chose I chose College Nanny Sitters and Tutors because um, it I love the fact that it's working with families. It it has opportunities for being out in the community, doing really fun things like. Um, sponsoring, um, you know, being part of a, a community festival. Uh, last January, I sponsored the Poway Winterfest. I was one of, you know, many sponsors, but I was one of the sponsors. And we had a booth. I had some of my uh, sitters um, help out in the arts and crafts room. So it's just, for me, these, these opportunities to meet families, to interact with kids, just made it really interesting and attractive. Um, the other ones just didn't seem to present those same opportunities and just didn't seem as, you know, interesting. Wow. So I, I'd like to touch on a few things that I heard from what you just described going back to the passion and advice, because I hear it a lot. Um, and, and thank you for sharing all that, by the way. Um, you know, that, that actually, the advice of finding, finding what you love, doing what you love, it actually paralyzed me <laughs> as I think it does for a lot of people because we feel, oh my gosh, well, then you, then, then I'd start analyzing, well, well, what do I love and can I run a business? Can I do that? And you start going down this path of, well, if I don't know, then what do I do? And, and you can often get stuck in that. And, and sometimes, you know, when I hear you talk about what you're doing with College Nannies now with the community festival and, and interacting with people, I hear passion, but from a different perspective. Maybe it's not passion with your dogs. It might be passion in building something that you can, you can own and grow and interact and, and maybe even discover things that you hadn't discovered before. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but um, so I hear that. So that's one thing. And then, and then also I hear that this is really common with a lot of franchisees is they enter thinking that they're going to own one kind of franchise concept and then they end up discovering that that may not be the right fit and they end up going into a totally different category. And that's great that really, you know, when you look at your goals 
and values and you're guided by someone like Diane, uh, you know, you, you might discover something else along your journey. So stay open-minded to that fact. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think one thing about franchising, uh, before I entered this, the concept, the front, the, the, even the whole, you know, potential of franchising, I had misconceptions that, uh, you know, franchises are just your fast food or your, um, you know, the things that the average person interfaces with, you know, in terms of franchises like McDonald's or Subway. And, and I just didn't really know that there's so many different kinds of businesses that are franchised things that, um, the, you know, the typical consumer would never even come across like, um, I don't know, uh, manufacturing or, uh, environmental, uh, a, a company that performs environmental assessments or something, you know, there's just all kinds of franchises out there and uh, it, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, Debbie, I think you listened to my very first episode that's not, hasn't even been published yet because I think I used <laughs> McDonald's and Subway and the whole idea oh, that, that that was my first perspective that I just thought of franchising as fast food. Uh, and then I discovered that there are so many more. So we're on the same wavelength there. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, that just goes to show that a lot of people have that, that misconception. And, you know, one of the things I said on that episode is once you realize that there are so many others out there, whether it's education, childcare, senior care, uh, uh, fitness, beauty, what, you know, one of the things I realize now is the things that make up a franchise system, the systems, the processes are really what most businesses should have anyway in order to grow mm-hmm. smart, smartly. So it's just really formalizing that a little bit more because they, they need that in order to grow the brand. Yes, I agree. Yeah, so what, what did your friends and family think about this decision of yours? I, my number one source of support has been my uh, husband. Um, we, and we're, we're newlyweds, actually. It's, it's a second marriage for both of us. Uh, we were... We were together, um, you know, living together. We'd been together for many years. When I when I purchased the franchise just this past August, so at the time we um, were not even engaged yet. Um, but uh, funny funny story there. So the day that I mailed off the purchase agreement and the big fat scary check to buy this franchise was also my birthday. And then that night when we were out celebrating my birthday, he proposed to me. So it was um, oh. a, a very overwhelming, uh, crazy um, moment in my life, to say the least. So, <laughs> and then that. we got married in October. <laughs> yeah, it's that uh, this summer. I mean, yeah, that was it. Was it was intense? It's just been intense, and and ever since then, it's been in, intense. Um, so he's been my number one source of support. Uh, my my parents um, have both. They've passed away, so they have not been a part of this journey. Um, but um, you know, my friends have been supportive. But uh, really, the number one person has been Tim, my husband. So. That's phenomenal. Um, Good job, Tim. (laughs) Sorry? Good job, Tim. Yes, good job. Great job, Tim. Great job. And uh, he's been not only, uh, you know, emotionally supportive, but financially. um, He 
he's he put his trust in me to invest in this business and um without that i i don't think i would have this not would not have been would not have been possible without his financial support um unless i you know turned to some loan sharks and Mm -hmm. (laughs) took out some scary sketchy loans i don't know You know, and that's that's really important because I, I I do know. I mean, I've spoken with other women who've been in similar in a similar place with from the financial and and even if it's not financial support perspective, what are some of the questions and concerns that that Tim had? And I and I'm asking this. This is really about you. At the same time, if we need to help other women be able to advocate for what they're doing in their journey, for some that may not may or may not be so su- supportive. Mm. It, it helps yeah. understand that perspective too, so you can start building your own case, if you will. Right, right. Well, I, um, hmm, what kind of questions did Tim have? You know, he was there with me, I don't want to say every step of the way, meaning that he wasn't, you know, reading everything I was reading or he wasn't on every uh, phone call I was on when I was um, asking people questions or consulting with people. but. But he was there, and I would I would basically share things that I was learning with him. Um, I think he just really trusted my my process, and he he. It was after the fact where he would remark to me that, "Wow, you know, you really did a great job in doing your research and for figuring this out, and and for finding the right um, con, you know con, um, consultants and um, picking the right business." I think he just saw observed my process sort of from a little bit of a distance um and you know i i think my background in research helped me go about this in a very methodical um way uh and and, you know not just jumping to the first idea that came along although i i the first franchise i did research was um uh, you know, something that I, I eventually realized wasn't a very good fit. So, um, I did go kind of far into another, another concept, um, going as far as flying out for the discovery day and all of that. And, um, but after the discovery day is when I decided, no, it wasn't the right thing. And they didn't really have a good financial you know, history. It was a very new concept. Mm-hmm. So for me, as you know, with my background uh, in academia and Tim also being a scientist himself, for us, we really, for us, I think the most important thing was the financial track record and the mm. performance and having that objective data to give us confidence that this concept was viable, you know, mm. that helped. So, okay. So, mm-hmm. let's, you know, that's, that's, I mean, that's really good to know because you know, there, I, I can imagine there's a tremendous amount of research that needs to be done. And, and there always is, especially when you're making this kind of um, big business decision. Did you, what kind of research did you do aside from being supplied, uh, flying out for discovery day with the other concept, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Diane supplied you with these three brands and you looked into it. Did you just go on what, what, uh, what, college nannies, sitters, and tutors gave you throughout their sales process, or were there other things that you were doing on your own to really do your due diligence? Exactly. I, I 
I did do all my homework. You know, I did, I did so much reading online for as much information I could just find online, not just in terms of info about the concept, about the business, but info, info and, and advice about how to go about um, researching a franchise. And, uh, and then um, there's a, there is a whole process, um, you know, as you know, um, so you, you, there's the sales relationship that the, the franchisor is entering into with the prospect and they're sharing some information with you and, and then they, um, they produce their uh, FDD document, um, the franchise disclosure document. And it, but, but very interestingly in there, um, one of the things that's not required to be in that document is the financial performance data. I believe it, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but so a franchisor can choose to include that or not include that in their FDD document. And I liked that college sitters, um, nannies and tutors chose to include that in their FDD. And um, also then you call, you call a bunch of current um, franchisees. Um, you can also call people who previously owned a franchise and have since gone out of business. So you do your do your validation process. You did you interview find, them. Excuse mm -hmm. me. Did you so, did they supply you with those names or did you go on Google and, and find all that you could and just track them down? The, um, the yes, they did provide me with the names. So okay. uh, the, the the several franchise concepts that I looked into, they were all very, uh, you know, forthcoming with that. They, they put together a list. And, um, but then I also went and called people that were not on the list. Um, I tried to find other owners out there who were not on the list. Hmm. Were there any doubts that you had? I mean, I mean what, what were some, if you had some in this process? Um, I think the doubts, there's always, there's always just the big doubt of no matter, no matter how great it sounds, no matter how successful some of the people are that you're talking to, there's just always the, there's still the wild card, you know, will it work in this particular location? Um, will I have what it takes to sell it? Um, there's because there's there's no guarantees, right? There's just no guarantees, no matter how great the data looks. Um, so definitely, just the big doubt, the big doubt of will will I be will I be able to succeed? How did you overcome that to get to where you are? And mm -hmm. did you? Um, I just uh, for me it was just the process of you know what um, I just have to take a risk. It's it is a risk, and um, I will do the best that I can in educating myself and learning what I need to learn, and um, and do the best that I can. But and knowing that it's a risk, and 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 if I fail, you know, if we lose our <laughs> if we lose our nest egg, um, that it at least I know I've tried. You know, no, I, I just I, I'm sorry. Nope. Go ahead. Oh, just just trying to. Um, it, it was just a pep talk of so life has no guarantees, and if I don't try this, well, what you know, what else am I going to do, right? I mean, I 
I, I needed to just make a choice, stick with it and, and go with it. I love that. And sometimes, you know, that's just, it's just what we need to do is keep reminding ourselves and, and get us, get it out, get it out of our head that, you know, anything that's going to keep us from just moving, moving forward. Cause anything you do is going to be a risk. You're right. I did not want to paralyze myself with the, the doubts and the what ifs and yeah. the, Mm -hmm. I love it. So here you are on your journey. How far into the journey are you with college nanny sitters and tutors in Poway? Mm -hmm. I have had, uh, let's see. So we, we opened our virtual doors uh, in November and I say virtual in that I don't have an actual physical location yet. That's another goal um, is to uh, look at that. But, you know, I've been operating out of my home office and uh, co-working spaces. Um, I just got a membership at Tira Hub in Sorrento Valley. So that's been working out great. Um, so, but so since November, November was my first month of generating revenue. Um, All right. Congrats. Yeah. So I'm in month four of generating revenue. Thank you. Fantastic. By the way, right now I am in Hera Hub in Carlsbad. I don't know if you know oh, that I'm a member as well. I, I think I did know that, yes. It's, it's uh, so beautiful. It's like a spa. It's like a spa. It's a beautiful place to work and, and talk about having a supportive community, which is so important as an entrepreneur. So that's great. Mm-hmm. So, so with your concept, are you, if you didn't want to open a physical location, could you? Is it possible to be completely for, remote? Well, okay, it's a great question because in the early days when this company first started franchising, it did not require owners to have a physical location. It, they, um, so the, the early, the first few uh, franchisees uh, started off with home offices and were not required to transition into a, a physical location, um, but they changed that requirement somewhere down the line. And uh, yes, so I am requ- in the per the franchise agreement. I do need to open up a uh, retail location um, by you know within a certain timeline. Okay, so what's what's that process like? Have you started that? I have. I've. I did find a broker, and I've been out to look at a few properties. Maybe about ten different properties. Um, it's a. It's a difficult process um, for a number of reasons. One is, uh, you know, the cost of of leasing a property in Southern California is, is really high, and uh, depending on what your concept is, you're going to have certain requirements for what type of uh, property you can rent. And so for this company, we do need to have um, not a grade premium retail, but it, you know, it has to be nice, family friendly, attractive retail, a uh, certain, a certain size, square footage. Um, you know, there's all these standards that has to look a certain way. You have to design it and, and, and to do the interior design, you know, according to brand standards. So there's a, that's a huge outlay of money that I'm looking at once that process starts happening. Um, so that's definitely something that, you know, you need to budget for And that's all, you know, that's all in the, 
when you do your research and start um, qualifying to buy a certain franchise, they make sure you understand all of that as well. Um, but it, it's also fun. It's also fun imagining being in a space, you know, having a storefront. Um, it's such a, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a wild uh, concept to me. It's like, oh, I'm going to hang a shingle and have a, you know, have a little business somewhere in some shopping center. That's going to be me. That's going to be my place. It's really kind of a fun, exciting thing to, to visualize. Yeah. It, it's something that, you know, a lot of us never really consider. And then once you're in it, you realize, hey, I, I own it. You know, you, you own this. Yeah. You're growing it. It's a nice business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's really exciting. What What are your goals? Are you Do you plan? What are your goals with with this franchise and and beyond? Mm, mm, my goals for the franchise. Well, um, I uh, well, <laughs> I have my um, big hairy audacious goal, which is something the franchisor. Uh, it's an expression they they use. They taught us during training to come up with our five-year BHAG. Love the BHAG. Um, so it's, it's, so there's, yes. And so there's a, there's a revenue, a revenue goal that I've set for myself um, for that five-year mark. Uh, I don't know. Should I say what the revenue goal is? <laughs> I oh, kind of yeah, want to keep please, it. No, no, no. You can keep it a secret. That's fine. I, I was just curious okay. about in general, what your, what your goals are with mm -hmm. this concept. Are you looking? I, Go ahead. I, I'd like to um, maybe expand, you know, um, own another territory. Um, and in fact, with this concept, it's more common for a franchisee to buy two or more territories to start off with. I, I just bought one territory, but um, it's always an option to buy in, in additional down the line. So I, I would like to grow it. Um, the... The, the woman who was, I think, the first to, to franchise, to buy a franchise under this company, she owns 12 territories, I believe, 11 or 12. Wow. So she has an empire, yes. Um, so I, I don't necessarily aspire to own that many, but it is inspiring to imagine owning, you know, a couple more maybe. Yeah, and I, and I wonder if she had that vision in mind from the start. You know, I wonder if at first she wanted mm -hmm. one, two, maybe three, and then next thing you know, she has 12. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't met her in person yet. Um, I, I have spoken with her on the phone once, um, but uh, I, I, I'm sure I'll meet her at our upcoming um, franchise conference. I think it's in the summer. Oh, that's great. So I will, I will ask for that. Have you connected with a lot of the other franchisees like this woman within college mm -hmm. nanny sitters and tutors? Because I know with a lot of brands, that's a, big, uh, that's a big advantage to being part of a franchise system is you're not alone, not just because you're, you're connected by the support of the, of the brand itself, but also that you're connected with other franchisees you know, with whom you can collaborate and, and, and share and, and grow. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah. yeah, yes, yes. There's a, there's been a couple of ways that uh, we can connect. One is um, there is a franchise advisory council uh, for each region of owners. And 
we have, I think, monthly calls or quarterly calls or something. So there's that support system. Um, I haven't been on any of those calls because I'm not an early morning person and those calls are held at 8 a.m. Mm. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just read the notes and I'll email the group, you know, sometimes. And then also there is um, a, a closed Facebook page that one of the owners set up where we can just share and learn from each other. Great. Um, and then, you know, as I mentioned, there will be upcoming they have an annual conference where we all get together and learn from each other. So there's definitely that support system. And then we just, we can call or email each other anytime, you know, just individually when we need help. We have, we have a directory, we have everyone's contact information in the system. And they're always, you know, they're all, everyone that I have talked to on the phone, um, either during the validation process and, and then afterwards with questions, uh, everyone's been really just forthcoming and helpful. That's wonderful. And and Debbie, just for those who aren't familiar with it, can you just briefly explain the validation process and what that is? Sure. Uh, that's the process where um, after a um, someone like me who was considering buying a franchise, the the corporate will give you a copy of their FDD document with all the basic info about the company and, you know, some financial information if they've chosen to include that. Um, <clears throat> what the, I guess, the various rules or policies are, you know, about how the company operates. And then um, you are provided with a list of owners and then you're supposed to uh, do the validation. So you call these people and ask them, so, you know, the headquarters has claimed that um, this and this, you know, have happened or, you know, X, Y, and Z are true. Can you validate that for me? Yeah. Can you tell me to what extent has that been true in your experience? Right. Um, so doing your and, homework, uh, <laughs> doing the homework. Mm -hmm. You just want to, um, you know, verify the verification process, you know, yeah. are they just, giving me a sales pitch full of baloney or <laughs> right. um, is this really possible if I own one of these franchises? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's no. Thank you for clarifying that. Cause you know, this is, there's a lot of new terminology in this space. And now that you've gone through the sales process and the, uh, you know, the franchising process, you're more familiar with it, but a lot of people who are listening to this show are new to it. Mm -hmm. So it's right. good, good to clarify that. Well, you know, I'm I'm really excited for you. I know you're uh, four months in, and and there's so much room to grow, and and I wish you the best of best of luck. And I, I appreciate you sharing your story. And you're welcome. For all your time. And hey, before we before we go, a couple of things I like to ask everyone three questions just to round this off. So, one question: What's the best business advice you've ever received? Huh. I I would have to say it goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier, where it's recognizing that 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 really popular business advice about you know pursue your passion, figure out what you enjoy doing, and turn that into a business. Realizing that that's really not the best business advice. <laughs> um, I think that the, the, so then on the flip side, I forget where I heard this or read this, but 
the advice that made more sense to me was um, instead of necessarily trying to figure out your passion or turn your passion into a business, what you what you want to do is find what you enjoy, no matter what the type of business is. Um, to give an example, for you know, I. I don't, I never saw myself as running a childcare or tutoring company that just wasn't something on my radar. You know, I'm, I'm a pet person. I'm an animal person. That's what I have fun and I'm passionate about. But, um, does that mean that I, you know, wouldn't necessarily enjoy running a childcare and tutoring company? No, you know, because what I do enjoy is, like I said, going out in the community, meeting with families, meeting with kids, um, being part of fun events. Um, I like administrating. I like um, figuring out systems and, and troubleshooting. So I enjoy a lot of the, the activities and components of um, running a certain business. But the, the content of that business could be different things. It, you know, it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be something that I um, ever, you know, ever saw myself doing. So I think that's the advice. So, you know, figure out what you are good at and what you are good at doing can be applied to almost any kind of company. I love that. I love that perspective. Thank you. All right. So what, what would you recommend to another woman who's considered considering buying a franchise like college nannies and tutors do or another, a different franchise? I think the number one advice is, uh, no, Know your financial situation before you get too far ahead of yourself. Um, know what you can afford. Know what you are able to risk. Um, know what you will have, you know, either um, in terms of being able to take out a loan. Um, there's different options for that. You, there, you could um, turn your 401k into a, a loan. Um, but, you know, there's, there's all kinds of rules and regulations and tax implications. So do your homework, um, get a consultant, work with a, a franchise coach to help narrow down the options because it's super overwhelming with all the different, you know, concepts that are out there. Um, find someone that you feel good about that you can trust who's a, who's a, a coach. Um, and you don't have to pay the coach yourself. The coach gets a commission. Um if you end up buying a franchise, the the, the cor- corporate will then, you know, pay them a part of the franchise um, fee, purchase fee. And uh, what else? So really just have your, you know, be methodical. Don't just, don't just fall for a shiny, um, but really do the validation process. That's great. That's great. And yeah, franchise coach, franchise consultant, and then also known as franchise brokers as well. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Correct. That's great. That's great. And then uh, what other female franchisees do you know who are rocking it or crushing it? Uh, I don't know them personally other than the people that I've come across during this process. So as I uh, mentioned them. This woman, Laura, who has 11 or 12 territories, she, and she is the top performer in the whole system. Uh, she is clearly crushing it beyond, you know, um, beyond the wildest imagination. Um, very inspiring. I, and I do, you know, want to meet her and, and pick her brain. Um, and then 
There's another, oh gosh, this woman who, I, and I spoke to her during my validation. She, she's very recent. I think she bought her two or three years ago, the same brand. Uh, she's in the Bay Area. Her name's Vanessa. And she, within, by her second year or third year, she was just, her revenue was, you know, off the charts. So her growth has been incredible for being so new in the system. And I have not met her in person yet, but I did speak with her on the phone. Um, but uh, yeah, I, but in terms of friends or family, I, I don't, I don't have any, I don't know anyone who, who owns a franchise. Well, I think those are great examples. And, you know, I look forward to in another year when I hear someone refer to you as, as one of the women crushing it. <laughs> yeah, hope so. No, this is really exciting. Hey, is there anything else that we can mention that you're working on or any promotions you have uh, for your specific franchise right now that we can we can share with the world? You, sure, yeah. So I, uh, we, right now we're uh, really trying to promote our tutoring line. Um, and uh, our tutoring is really special and unique in that we don't have any pre-can program or curriculum that we try to you know, plug your child into. It's our tutoring is totally individualized. Each student, we do a complimentary um, assessment. Uh, the tutors go to your home. You don't have to drop them off at a tutoring center. So it's very uh, personalized and customized to each child. And um, you just pay as you go. You don't have to sign a contract. You know, for like a, a certain minimum number of sessions. So it's very flexible and convenient for families. I like that. I like anything that involves a frictionless experience from a customer's perspective. <laughs> yeah, we try to we, we we really try to make it very smooth and full service for for every family. I love that. So you, um, Debbie, you're in the the Poway territory. What's the best way uh, for them to find out about the promotions? I think the best way really is just to find us online. Um, okay. Just go to our website and. If you don't necessarily, if a person doesn't land on my specific office website, all they have to do is go to the main um, College Nannies, you know, website, and then they'll put in their zip code and then um, be directed to the, the location that will best fit there, um, you know, where they live. So you, all they have to do is submit an online inquiry through the website, and then um, the person in their uh, their local office will contact them right away. That's great. And we'll go ahead and put the link directly to your part of the website in the show notes so that our listeners can find it easily. Perfect. Well, hey, uh, you know, that just about wraps it up. And again, I want to thank you so much for your time, for your information. You know, I I found this really valuable and and I look forward to sharing it with everyone else. Well, thank you so much, Erin. It was really fun. Likewise. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Franchise Rising podcast. We really hope you found this episode enjoyable. If you'd like the show notes for today's episode, you can find them at franchiserising.com slash five. We'd love it if you subscribe to the show, if you want to hear future episodes. Also, if you know of anyone who would be a great guest for the show, let us know. You can either reach me by sending me an email at erin at franchiserising.com You can also just go to FranchiseRising.com, drop a note in the chat pane, let us know, send us any questions you have, any ideas for future episodes, and we'll get back to you. 
And then finally, you can find us on social media with the handle Franchise Rising pretty much anywhere. So until next time, we hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks again. <laughs>